25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And man, oh man, I am the king of scheduling conflicts that lead to us recording an episode that's going to end up being way more of a downer than it needs to be, because we're coming to you, you're hearing this episode on Wednesday, you all know, I mean, you've been here, Tuesday and Fridays are early states, I didn't get home from a concert until like 11.30 on Monday night, and so... Uh, recording was out of the question. And so Laura and I were like, let's just record after the game on Tuesday. And I always have fear in doing that because we can have these stretches. <laughs> the Blue Jackets are great. They're playing really well. And it is bookended by a, a, a just an absolute like laying of an egg. And that is the situation that we're in tonight, coming off of a 4 nothing loss to the Florida Panthers as we sit down to record this episode. So, Laura, all of that considered, how are you doing, my friend, on this wonderful Tuesday evening? Yeah, you really caused us to have to record on a bummer note. If we had recorded last night, it would have been nothing but sunshine and rainbows. So, I'm blaming you for this. That's totally fair. I will say the funness of our schedule that we record on uh folks we are in the second of seven games on tuesday in a row so the next five weeks we've gotten two done so every time you listen to us on tuesday just know that uh you better get the listening in quick because that episode it will become a little obsolete a little quickly so that's our little news and note about our programming but yeah i i do have an uncanny capability of of making our recordings feel a little bit more uh I don't know what the right word is. I don't know if it's like depressing or <laughs> <laughs> or what. But I mean, obviously, we'll talk about the good and the bad and the ugly like we always do on the show. But sincerely, though, going back to you, my friend, how are you on this Tuesday? I'm pretty good. Um, as we talked about a couple of different times last week, my dad got married over the weekend. So... Um, it was a really beautiful, it was an evening wedding. So, um, it's a really beautiful evening and, you know, just super happy for my dad. He's wanted something like this for a really long time. And, um, it was really nice to be included in their day. And, um, I did a a reading with, um, my dad's partner's oldest son, which was nice. And, Um, my sister's kids each had a job during the ceremony. So of course my niece Hallie was just the most perfect. We're going to call her a snowflake girl because she didn't throw flowers. She threw snowflakes. Um, and then my nephew Hudson did a reading. The bravest eight-year-old got up in front of a whole church full of people and gave a little reading. And then uh, Jameson, who's the oldest, um, he was in charge of the ring. So he got to do, um, all of that stuff. And it was just a really lovely ceremony and the reception was beautiful. It was basically a, um, class, like a noted as like a classy Christmas party. So we did appetizers and desserts 
And it was just a nice sort of casual atmosphere with like Christmas music playing in the background. And um, we had lots of family and a lot of my dad and Chris's friends. So it was just really nice. And um, my best friend, Casey, came with me because Jeremy had to work a graduation or else I would have drug him along with me. So, um, but yeah, it was nice and got a lot of compliments on the like 300 Pitzels that I, I made for ask, the wedding. How many, how many of the 18 and a half dozen Pitzels were left over? Well, what was nice about this situation is that not only were they served at the wedding, but they were served the next day at the brunch wow. that the church hosted for my dad and Chris. So, um, and my dad said that quite a few um, ladies from the church were like asking for baggies so they could take Pitzel's home um, after the brunch. So that made me happy. Uh, I do love that. But yeah, it was just a really beautiful, my brother gave a great speech at the reception, um, which Jeremy knows <laughs> in context is shocking, but <laughs> in, in practice, it was very lovely. So, uh, yeah, it was just really nice. And, you know, some other things that I might be able to talk about later, but it's a, it's a nice Tuesday. We love How a nice are you? Tuesday. I'm okay. I was, I returned to the office today. So like, it's always like kind of stressful and we're wrapping up the semester. So like, that's always a good time. I did do a lot of like strategic planning and stuff like that. I, which was really nice. I recently, so this is way too, oh God, this is such a niche nerdy thing that I'm about to talk about. But a few weeks ago, actually at this point, a little over a month ago, when I was in Chicago, I was like becoming like Gallup Strength Certified. So if you're listening to the show and you're like, what in the hell is that? It's the whole thing where if you've ever seen people who have like their top five like strengths that they're good at, like that's like, that's what I'm talking about. So if you work in corporate America, if you work in education, like you probably know or have heard of at least what I'm talking about. So when I became certified for that, part of that was that I also got a strengths coaching session like for free, like it's part of that. So I had that last week, which was really nice. And uh, my strengths coach gave me permission to lean into my strategic thinking uh, theme, my domain, because that is where I'm the strongest, but I never get the chance to do it. And so she told me that I should do it more often. And she told me when I do it, I should do it in a different environment. So I... My team and I did a planning session today in not our office and got things scheduled for next semester. So that felt really good and also horrifying. So really looking forward to the next five months of my life before this school year ends. But it'll be good. It'll be good. That felt nice. Always good to be back home. I need to start planning to move, which is exciting. I am bumping out of the city a little bit in Grand Rapids. So I'm like really looking forward to that because it's not super practical to live downtown in Grand Rapids, like financially at this point. So, but bad news, I have not done anything to like prepare for that. So probably should start doing that. But other than that, doing great. Doing great. Just all the things are happening all at once. So often they do. So I'm not surprised, but it's been good. It's been good. And I mean, all of that, even including what the Blue Jackets did tonight as we as we come off of watching that shit show to record. So, you know, obviously, like, like we said a little earlier, it's not all bad. Like, we're not going to talk about all the bad. I mean, obviously, like, it goes without saying that the win against Calgary last week, huge. The win on Sunday against the Kings, 
ugly, but a win. And so, I mean, there are obviously some good things to talk about on this show. So don't hit don't hit the skip button too far ahead. We're gonna we're gonna touch on the good things. And Laura, I think the the first well, let's just get out of the way. Like the bad thing is in that win against Calgary, the biggest note that I'm taking away from that is the injury to, you know, Jonas Corposalo, if only for a week or two. Uh, but he suffered a lower body injury in that game. Actually, was ended up ended up getting pulled, which was unfortunate because he was playing really lights out. I mean, Calgary had their chances in the first period of that game, and his injury gets him sidelined for the second and third period. And uh, there was even a moment that we'll probably talk about a little bit later where, like, we were wondering if the emergency backup goalie, uh, which I believe his name is Logan Davis, something like mm-hmm. that, uh, former Ohio State goaltender, you know, it was one of those things where we were like, oh, man, is he going to have to come in? And thankfully he did not. But, yeah, so lower body injury for for Corpy. And uh, Elvis, like, came in and played well, finished the game up well, only let up a goal with a few minutes left in the game. So, I mean, this game was a 55-minute shutout for the Jackets, which is something that they just, like, haven't seen all year. I mean, they were still – we're a quarter way through the season and we don't have a shutout on record yet. Am I making that up? No, we don't have a shot. Yeah. And so that was really refreshing to see. Interesting interesting little notes that we'll talk about, like about how shutouts would have worked if Elvis didn't give up out that other give up that other goal, because I think it's interesting. But it's basically like the game that you're expecting the jackets to play, knowing that like there's some implications here for Johnny Goudreau, right? Like who is playing against his former team for the first time. And obviously it's at home, so it's not a hostile environment for him, but still like, I'm sure an emotional game for him less for Erica Branson. I mean, he's only in Calgary for a year, but like his former team as well. And so when the Jackets welcomed them in and they played well and they won the game, that felt really (laughs) good. And it felt like, okay, like, we can do this sometimes. Like sometimes we can make this happen and that's an exciting thing. And so kind of just looking at, at what transpired in that game on Friday, Laura, what were just some of your key takeaways? Well, this was, you know, this was a key game for the team because it was the redemption game. It was, you know, how do we answer back to a, you know, nine to four just massacre by the Buffalo Sabres, you know, the game before. And like you said, a a big game for now our biggest player who, I mean, Johnny hosted, like, I want to say like 11 or 12 um, former or former teammates and um, like uh, staff at his house the night before, uh, just because, I mean, he spent 11 years in Calgary. So they obviously mean a lot to him in his career, but he still, I know from his interviews, wanted to put on a performance, you know, that justified the continuation of this conversation about him choosing to come to Columbus. Um, and I was happy that they could do that. And it was, you know, it was the best, you know, it was a solid 60 minutes of hockey for the Blue Jackets, which we haven't seen a lot of this season. And it was an entirely different team than what we saw against Buffalo, which needed to happen. Um, Again, we don't really know all of what was said in the private team meetings or what was being said as, you know, the couple days went on that they, they weren't playing, but something happened and something sparked. And one of the things that has been good 
with the exception of this evening, although they did have a couple of good looks, was the decision to remove Patrick Line from the top line and create kind of a, I don't want to call it a second line because I think I want to call it like a dual first, like a 1A, 1B situation and move Patrick Line down with um, Jack Roslovic and Igor Chinnikov. And for the game against Calgary and the game against the Kings, that line was on fire. Um, Patrick himself got several goals as well as a um, Jack Roslovic ended a 16 game goalless streak. Uh, and Igor Chinnikov is, is quietly making some really impressive moves on the ice. So in my opinion, that was one of the biggest pluses that came out of that game in Calgary was this decision to um, sort of spread the wealth um, as you know, cause from up till now, we've just been keeping our two biggest scorers on the same line. And while yes, sometimes they do have really great chemistry together. It seems to be working out more now that we allow more players to at least share in that capability. So Gus has been moved up permanently to the quote unquote top line with Johnny and Boone. So those lines saw a lot of good time in those two games. And then the most funny thing about Calgary was the reason you said earlier, which is there was a moment in time where we thought the e-bug, um, the emergency backup goalie was going to have to potentially um, come out because I believe it was in the third period. And I can't for the life of me remember which flame it was, but one of the flames just got Elvis straight in the nuts, like just straight up. Like, I mean, you can speak to this feeling more than I can, but basically knocked the wind out of him of how hard he hit him in the nuts. Yeah. Bad time. Uh, and <laughs> there is a clip that will forever follow Elvis around, I think, in his post-game interview where, because he also ended up making like a pretty incredible save at the same time, um, where he just looks at the the camera and goes, he hit me pretty solidly in the nuts. And that was really all I was thinking about. <laughs> I think the exact quote was hurt me really bad. In the nuts. Yeah, hurt me really bad in the nuts. Um yeah, and I believe I, mean, I texted you. I said, um, Elvis is hurt. He may never have children again, but I think he is going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, that would be rough. I mean, that is like the kind of thing where even like, this is too much, even like the smallest little thing like is just game over on that. So like if you're talking about actual like physical contact, like Elvis buddy put the cup on, baby. We gotta we gotta figure that one out. You can't be doing that too much to the boys. So we gotta figure that out. But but yeah, I mean I to your point about about that line, I mean and I think this is kind of like a good well I'll tell you this. I thought they were gonna lose that game against Calgary because Calgary was like pressing at the end of the game. Calgary had every chance in the world to win that game. And Elvis did. I mean he stood tall, the defense kept things from being too dangerous. I mean, that was like textbook way to wrap up the game. And then Sean Crowley scores that like really like luck, like I don't want to say lucky, but like definitely a bouncing puck finds its way to the back of an empty net to give the Jackets a 3-1 win. But I think, 
you know, that's the kind of game where the Jackets could have very easily lost that game. And I don't think anybody would have been surprised, like, to give up two goals in the last two and a half minutes. Like, Calgary is pushing. Calgary is a good team. They can score at will, kind of similarly to the Jackets at times. And so that was, like, that happened. And I texted you after the game. I said, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I didn't trust that they were going to get it done. And you said, oh, you have so little faith. And I said, okay, liar. Like, <laughs> tell me that you weren't nervous. Like, I I won't let you say that to me. Like, you're you're a filthy liar if you do. And so I was just glad they wrapped that one up. But to your point, and I think this is a good transition, like, I, I mean, we all know my feelings about Gus Nyquist being a first-line winger on this team specifically. It just is a little bit shocking to me. But all of that is to say that, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, spread out your scoring. Like, if you can find a way to, you know, even just looking, I mean, obviously tonight is not a good example when we're talking about this. But if you look at, let's look at the game against the Kings. So, obviously, like you said, you know, those lines got switched up. And Nyquist, Jenner, and Goudreau played 14:58, And Line Roslovic and Chinikov played 14:49. Like, that's a nine-second difference on five-on-five time. And, uh, I mean, realistically, I mean, if you look at the way that these Lions performed against the Kings, the Blue Jackets won the game. Like, that is, like, the moral of that story. The Blue Jackets were outplayed in that game. Like, the Kings absolutely outplayed the Blue Jackets. And, uh, like, a win is a win, and I'm not going to ask questions, but, (laughs) I mean, especially in the third period, like, the Kings, obviously, I mean, like, they tie it up. I mean, obviously, the Jackets are at 5-3, and we can kind of talk about how we got there. But then, like, the Kings, I mean, just that third period was all L.A. And in full honesty, like, for Elvis to even keep only two – like, to only allow two pucks to get in the back of the net in that game, kind of a win. Like, L.A. was just peppering Elvis, and our defense went away. Our offense went away in that third period, and – Honestly, like, lucky to get out of there with a win. Yeah, I mean, I was upset because I never remember to sign up for the car wash things when you, like, when we score in the third period, like, you get a free car wash. Never remember to do it. Did I remember to do it on Sunday? You bet I did. Did we score in the third period? Absolutely not. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, it it was so just sort of bummer for me, but... Um, it was a up and down game. I mean, the Kings never led, but we gave up a two goal lead twice. So it's one of those things where you say to yourself, like, this is why we can't have nice things because we just have, even in games that we win, we have such an inability to hold a lead and we have such an inability to get the puck out of our own end when you know, when the other team has possession, like we're pretty okay in, you know, the center. And obviously we've been getting better when we get it in our scoring end or the opponent's end. But honest to God, if any team has an an amount of pressure down in our end, we simply cannot get it out. Like we just simply cannot. And we're allowing too many situations where other player, other teams' players um, are standing right in front of the goal or in the case of the Penguins game, they, you know, Sidney Crosby standing right on the corner, like essentially leaning on the goal. Like, and our defense is just not doing 
the right combination of things to avoid those, like to get those players to not be in those positions or to help out the goaltender, whoever it may be when the other team are in those positions. And, you know, it would be hard for most goalies to be able to stop things in those circumstances. So it's just been, it's been hard on the goaltenders, even when we do win and, it would have been nice to win the game against LA in regulation and not give up that second two goal lead. Like it just would have been nice and to not, because they're burning the candle at both ends, having to keep right. chasing back up. Yeah, um, I, mean, I mean, only, only one blue jacket in that game had over 50% expected goals shared total. And that was Eric Robinson. Eric Robinson, easily like about fifty eight percent, and then the next jacket is Andrew Peak at forty percent. I mean, like it's like I mean, like we do this sometimes where I like show you guys this chart. I mean, like the team that's at the top, L.A. The team that's at the bottom, the Blue Jackets. And again, like they don't ask how, they just ask how many. And that's a, a prime example of that game. To your point. I mean, obviously want to highlight some performances there. I mean, Jack Roslovic had four points. I mean, that felt like a really good way for him to to dust some of the to, to dust dust off his shoulders a little bit, right? Like take the monkey off of his back. Um, you know, the thing that's interesting about that, obviously, he picked up an one of his assists. Um, actually, I think both of his assists came at five on five, but both of his goals were actually special teams goals, whether that was a shorthanded goal to start or a power play goal on the other end of the things. And so I mean, even though the, that line, uh, you know, obviously seems to be doing something like with with Patty, uh, Jack, and, and Chinny, but obviously that got switched up a little bit tonight too. I mean, that's the thing with Jack Rossovic, right? Is like he is very streaky, and a lot of that streakiness comes from his performance on special teams. I mean, he's a great penalty killer. Like that might actually be my favorite part of Jack Rossovic's game is the way that he can kill a penalty. I, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of of players like Cam Atkinson or of Matt Calvert in the way that, like, when I think about good Blue Jackets penalty killers like him and Sean Crowley are two people that I think of almost immediately. Uh, Eric Robinson's on that list. I mean, like, good penalty killers on this team. And so, um, you know, good to see him get rewarded on what I like, what a lot of pundits will call the penalty, uh, no, the power kill, the power kill. Where it's like being aggressive on the on the penalty kill and and finding a way to to get one home, and th- I mean that's a fun game. Like that's a game that like Brad Larson probably hates. I forget the name. Oh, who the fuck coaches the Kings? I forget. But he probably hates that game. I mean more so than Brad Larson, right? But like that's the kind of game that's fun to watch. If you were at Nationwide Arena for that game on Sunday, like you had a great time. I'm sure of it. Uh, you definitely had a better time than Laura had last Tuesday when she watched the Jackets play the Sabers. And so, or whatever the hell day of the week that was, I've repressed it at this point. It was so, last Wednesday. Wednesday, even better. So, you know, that's a good win. I mean, you, you like, you take it and you move on. The Kings aren't a bad team. I mean, Calgary, like the Kings, I mean, they're not bad teams. Like getting wins against those teams is always a good thing. And especially knowing that you're about to hit the road for what it's going to be like not an easy road trip. And that was pretty clear tonight against the Panthers. But then you've also got Tampa Bay on Thursday. You've got Boston on Saturday. And so, I mean, you've just got these li- this, these games that are just going to be brutal and having a little bit of momentum going into those games in theory, 
you thought would be helpful. Um, and I, if do you have any other notes about the the Kings game before I move on to? No, I mean it, it was you know a great overtime win um, that took way longer than it should have in review because they couldn't determine. That's a, that was a weird goal. I mean, that's like a. I mean, count it. They, they ended up determining that the Flames player scored the goal for us. Yeah, that was – I mean, because if that puck goes in on its own without the help of, of – I forget which king it was, but that's no goal. I mean, oh, yeah, he, the king's player. Yeah, sorry. He, he absolutely swatted <laughs> that puck. I mean, that was absolutely uh, – I mean, that was not kosher. <laughs> so yeah, – It took longer to review that goal than it did for them to score it. Yeah, did ask. I mean, like – I. Listen, for as many times as the Blue Jackets end up getting fucked over on a play like that, like I am more than happy to be the team that does it to somebody else. So that's a win. But, but yeah, I mean, like, kind of going back to, you know, this idea of like, oh, the momentum going into Florida is going to be great. And, and let's be honest, that first period, I was, I felt pretty okay about the way we played. I thought, yeah. You know, I it's one of those games where, like, of course, like, Florida's a good team. Florida, like, where they're at in the standings right now, I don't think is is totally fair to, to say that that's the kind of team that they are right now. I mean, I think that they entered the game tonight against the Jackets. I think they were actually, like, below the Canadians in the standings. We know this Florida team is better than the Montreal Canadiens. Like, that is not a total, like, <laughs> indictment on their play. But, I mean, getting off to that start, like, you feel pretty good. I mean – you're going up against a goaltender and I'm going to eat these words that like, you know, like hasn't necessarily had the greatest season. Hasn't like been electric. Florida's also playing with a lot of AHLers. Former Blue Jacket Zach Dalpy was actually mic'd up for this game. So I'll be interested to hear that. But I mean, he's the captain of the Charlotte checkers. Like he is a AHLer, right? Like in the, in that, you know, sense of the word. And so for him and, and just a few other guys that are up right now too, to be playing such pivotal roles for the Panthers. This is a game that the Jackets like could have been competitive in. And they started out that way. Like I, I didn't hate the way that they started this game, Laura. Yeah, I was very happy with the first period. They were, I mean, obviously we didn't get it on the scoreboard, but they were still, you know, trying to defend Elvis and Elvis made some pretty good saves in the first period. And, you know, Elvis and Bob were kind of evenly matched with, saves and you know looking good in the net and all that sort of stuff and I was totally fine I was like oh this is okay like we can make up for it like second period and third period is fine and then for some reason I don't know if someone stole a copy of like the Blue Jackets playbook or what happened and brought it into the Florida locker room but like they just read us like an open book And or they had like the ESPN commentators like in their ears because the ESPN commentators were like, oh, well, (laughs) literally we're like the Blue Jackets are a one trick pony. So if they can't score um, on a breakaway or on a drive, like they just don't score. And I I mean, they're not wrong. But the thing is, is like, that's just exactly how Florida read it. Basically, anytime Johnny Goudreau had the puck, they were like, oh, no. Or anytime someone was trying to get it to Johnny because they know that he's good at, you know, breaking free and all that sort of stuff, they would just stop that person. Like, they would just simply, like, swarm them like bees. And, <laughs> like, our play wouldn't be able to um, get off the ground. And it just, 
you know, both teams took uh, some interesting penalties. Uh, to Chuck took two penalties literally right in a row. Like, was in the box, he's got off the ice. Won a, won a game. I mean, he's yeah. just like, that's the kind of player he is. He just did, he was just was not happy to see the Blue Jackets at all, um, and yeah, it was just it was an interesting. It was messy in a way that like felt kind of gross because it just was like yeah. they were just reading us so well, and then we would get kind of miffed about it, and like a weird altercation would happen. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like a full-fledged altercation. It was right. just like a little, a little bit. So it was weird. I didn't like it. And not just because we didn't win and because we gave Bob his first shutout against us in, you know, I think 12 appearances since he left the Blue Dragons. So, yeah, it was just a weird game. Like, it just felt weird. Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways it was. <laughs> I think you're reading that exactly right. I mean, even like looking just at, at you know, you know me, got to go over to the analytics corner and looking at even like halfway through this game. I mean, the Jackets are down to nothing pretty early in the second period, but it's not until really the third, like 30 minute mark that that play really kind of shifted Florida's way. I mean, the Jackets were never, were never out of this game until, um, well, frankly, until they were. <laughs> like, I know that's a terrible way to put it. But, like, the Jackets were were getting shots. They just weren't high-quality shots in the second period. And a lot of that remained true in the third. And Florida just continued to capitalize on, on their multiple opportunities and give, I mean, give credit where credit is due. Like, Columbus, it's not like we didn't have any expected goals in this game. I mean, about two. And got to give credit to, to Sergei Bobrovsky in a game like this who – you know, has been known not only in his days in Columbus, but also in Florida to let one through that just totally changes the trajectory of a game. It just totally changes momentum. And he didn't let that happen. I mean, I think that that's, you're down to, you're, you're down to nothing of your Columbus. If you get a goal there, you make it two one, you, you start shaking Bob up a little bit. Like I'm not convinced that the floodgates don't open a little bit there. And so obviously that's a little bit disappointing that that doesn't happen, but uh, you know, ultimately again, like you're talking about a road trip, that is just brutal for the Jackets here in these three games. And honestly, getting two points out of them would be a plus. I mean, obviously, I, you know, whenever I see a road trip like this, I'm always like, hey, if you can sneak a win and you can lose a game in regular in overtime, get three points, call it a day, like, that's great. But, I I mean, this road trip is going to be tough. I, <laughs> it's going to be really tough for the Jackets. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens coming out of this Florida game. I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit before we started the show is like coming off of wins, this team doesn't really change up much unless you have an injury. And so, I mean, in the case of Corpy uh, on uh, it, you know, from Friday to Sunday, of course you have to make that change. But when you look at, when you look at going into tonight's game against Florida, uh, obviously not really, really many changes. So it'll be interesting to see how those things change up. But did you have any other like wrap up thoughts about the game against Florida tonight? No, just, I mean, like you said, the the chances that the Jackets did have, I mean, they were just bad shots. Like, we hit the crossbar several times. Like, we, you know, shot wide. There there were some, some quality chances. I mean, we kept pretty even with the Panthers as far as shots on goal are considered. It's just we couldn't buy a goal at this point. And... Um, you know, when you have moments like that and when you have defensive situations that sort of 
pitter out or get beat by the offensive play that's set up. Like it just, it's not going to equal anything good in the, in the outrun, in the out, <laughs> in the outcome. That's the word I was looking for. Um, but yeah. And it's, it's just going to be interesting going into these next two games of this road trip. Cause we head to Tampa on Thursday and, they beat the crap out of the Kraken tonight. So, and Laura, do you know what else would be fun to see? Us winning some money on DraftKings. Yeah, that would be really dope. And I mean, like, listen, this isn't in the ad read, but folks in Ohio, you got to sign up for all of the the pre-launch deals that DraftKings has going on because DraftKings Sportsbook launches in Ohio in 2023. But hockey fans, you know the deal. You're going to want to light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $100. $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, hopefully more than the Jackets scored on Tuesday, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So, Laura, I mean, obviously, like, I think the highlight of things for us as we're, like, looking ahead at the week is that the Jackets have two tough games against two of the Atlantic Division's best, the Tampa Bay Lightning on Thursday and the Boston Bruins on Saturday. Never, ever easy tasks playing those two. Uh, And, you know, familiar foes for the Jackets, but different problems for the Jackets than, than some of the other times that they've matched up with these with these teams and so when you look at the game against the lightning i mean it's hard to imagine very many lineup changes we've talked about it off the air but adam boquist makes the trip of the team right so like you don't know if he's going to draw into any of these games but you know he's there and he's at least watching the games beginning to start to get into the mindset of getting back into things and so i mean laura do you foresee any any real lineup changes, substantive lineup changes? I mean, we, we're going to have a conversation about goaltending because I have some thoughts, but we're we're looking at just the skaters, right? Like, do you think that a player, you know, like like Carson Meyer draws back in, or do you think that there will be really any lineup changes? At this point, I don't know because the only line I can really see them doing – any changes on is the third line and you know I I don't necessarily think that there's a ton of issue there because the fourth line has been so consistent the Corrali Olivier um I just forgot who was the other person well, on that line. In your defense, I mean, like it's been a few people, right? Because you've got you've had Eric Robinson for the most part yes. as like the regular, but there's been some rotation with injuries and also not trusting Olivier and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that line has the identity. I don't think has ever changed, but the personnel has a little bit this year. So I mean, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, but I don't think Olivier in the last couple of games has done anything so egregious that would warrant them taking him off the line and Robinson and Crowley seem to have um, good chemistry together. And so I don't know. I think maybe Liam Foodie might 
come back in, but I also don't know that either. Lars seems to be kind of not superstitious, but just like wary of doing those things, unless it's one of those situations where he's just tossing things in the boggle game in the middle of the third period when he's frustrated. Like he just seems to keep the same lines. Like the literally the biggest change he's made in the lineup this season so far is moving Patrick Line to line one B. Yeah, I mean you're not wrong. I mean I so as of right now the only folks that are up for the jackets are Arliam Foodie, Carson Meyer, and Gavin Bayreuther. Which also congratulations to the Bayreuthers who had their second child. And I don't know. Uh, I think Jeff Savota said that maybe Gavin wasn't actually in Florida because he was you know with his wife uh, who just had their second child. So congratulations to the Bayreuthers. But um, I mean he is really like I, like I don't know when you look at the the load for the defense tonight i mean tim bernie played 1735 you know marcus bjork played 2030 erica branson played 1839 jake christensen played 1325 so i mean a little bit of i mean he's easily the the lowest skated defenseman tonight and then you've got andrew peak at 20 minutes and 20 seconds vlasov gavrikov at 2345 so i mean if you can tell that anybody's fallen out of favor, and I think in part just because of his lack of play on on special teams, but um, that player as of right now, at least, is is definitely looking like it is, you know, it's Jake Christensen at this point. So we'll see if yeah. comes in for him. I don't see it though. I don't know why. I mean, if I, they even if they even plan to bring if he's not in Florida, if they even plan to bring him out for right. the next two games because. You know, if he is already at home, you know, it wouldn't be the first time that we played with five defensemen this season because, you know, if someone got injured and we didn't have a replacement while on the road. But, you know, if he's already here in Ohio with his wife, I don't know that anyone would see the real reason to fly him back down to Florida or to Boston before coming back um, for the game at home on Monday. So who knows? But I mean... But on a side note to Marcus Bjork, who I think like has really been showing that he wants to stay on in the lineup when people yeah. come back because he really saved our ass tonight Yeah, with a goal situation or a potential goal situation that from several camera views looked like the goal had gone in or the puck had gone in, um, but thankfully bounced off the back of Elvis and landed about three inches away from the red line. And Marcus Bjork just took his stick and whacked it between Elvis's legs. Yeah, no, I mean, he did great work. So he's really, I've been really impressed with him. But that's just my my side note um, about him. But yeah, I mean, again, I just, I, I don't really see the reasoning in, no. in the forwards to bring somebody, to swap anybody out right now. Because the one... The only thing I'll say, like, when are you, though? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, especially in the case of Liam Foodie, like, I don't mean any disrespect to Carson Meyer, but, like, Liam Foodie is the guy who, like, you invested a first-round draft pick in. There's complications with sending him down. If he gets sent down, I think that somebody would take a risk on his skill. And so he's just, like, stuck in, in this limbo in Columbus. And that's, like, I mean – Correct me if I'm wrong, but like in terms of our f- injuries at forward, we're not 
nobody's coming back soon. I don't think we have any forwards coming back. Yeah, I don't think so either. Because I mean, it's really all defensemen point, that we're. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you're not going to have to worry about somebody coming in and, you know adding more complications to this, like in terms of like having another forward who's, who's capable of being on, on the big squad. And so it's just hard because you, you've got to figure out what you're going to do with Liam Foody, man. Like you've just got to figure it out. Like I, there's no other explanation. I mean, so he's a player that I'm always hoping I see out on the ice just a few times. I mean, like just to see like what's going on, because at this point, right. Like we've talked about it all, all, you know, season long is like so much of what the season is, is development based. And, if you don't even know what you've got in Liam Foody because you've not really given him a consistent role, then, I mean, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice when you're trying to think about, like, what assets can you get for the player or are there alternatives for the player that could be useful? And so, I don't know. That's my that's my tirade on Liam Foody. But I don't – there's no reason, I don't think. I don't I don't think you need to. Yeah, and back to, to Liam for just a second. And, you know, we had obviously, like, a pretty – difficult limbo situation when due to COVID they were forced to have like taxi squad people. And like, we had a lot of guys that were just sort of like hanging out for a long time. They weren't playing on the monsters. They weren't playing in Columbus. They were just sort of, they were skating in practices and stuff, but they were just sort of sitting and waiting for someone to get injured or someone to get COVID and, you know, them draw into lineup. But this is sort of an unintentional, like, or unnecessary limbo situation. Like, and especially with, with Liam, and like you said, the issue with him having issues of going down to the AHL because someone could claim him and all that sort of stuff. Like, he's in a sucky situation. Like, he himself has gotten himself stuck by no fault of his own. It's just literally the, the rules of how this game works and how contracts work and all this sort of stuff. But I, and I know I'm just kind of repeating you, but I feel very passionately about Liam Foody because again, as I've said before, he was my first, the first draft that I ever paid attention to. He was the first one that I saw drafted. So I feel things towards him in a sentimental way, but I just feel bad that he is literally sitting and waiting for someone to get injured because the team is not willing and shouldn't be willing really to put him on waivers to go down to Cleveland because more than likely someone will claim him and teams have been claiming people off of waivers. Like a couple have happened already this week. Seattle claimed someone off waivers. Like, you know, teams are starting to really as, as they're getting players who are injured, you know, for either long-term, if they've got that extra salary, you know, space, they're going to pick people. And Liam Foody has a skill set. It just hasn't quite worked its way in, whether being given the opportunity to, or just mismanaged, hasn't really been given an opportunity to shine in Columbus, but it's something that scouts see, like they see his potential and, we're just blowing it. Like we're not giving him an opportunity to play and in either way. And that's not fair to him. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are plenty of those stories about like the taxi squad and people just being fringe players. And, and there are a handful of players who really got stuck in that limbo. Like you said, that I think across the league really hurt their development. And 
unfortunately i think that's where liam foodie is at and i don't know if it's like a change of scenery thing or if it's a matter of just like that's like what he's going to be because of of his circumstance but obviously i root for liam foodie like i think you know he seems like a good enough kid and he seems like he's i mean he's got the skill i just want to see it materialize and hopefully it's with the jackets so i wouldn't mind seeing him out on the ice just to see what goes on and i mean like i said carson meyer you know at least i, I don't Unless somebody is nicked up, I don't know why you put them in. I have my strongest opinions when we talk about what we're going to do in net. Um, so, you know, I I think that it is fair to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, like hold me to the cross here. Do you think that the Blue Jackets in just like their actions and things like that, like would you agree with me in saying that they have identified Daniel Tarasov as their top goaltending prospect? Yes. I think that that like I like there are obviously other players that have recently like become a part of the fold, whether that's Pavel Chayon, Chayon, um, or <laughs> here the last episode, uh, or whether it's like Nolan Lalonde. Like I know that there are other players like that are a part of this scenario. I know his name will escape me the player that we drafted out of Russia in like the fifth or sixth round this year. Like I know that there are people in the pipeline, but I think the jackets have identified Daniel Tarasov as the heir apparent to whatever happens with Elvis, whatever happens in this like current situation. Right. And, and that's, that's been the case for like, yeah, at least a year. Agreed. But, Agreed. Yeah. And so I finally, finally, both Elvis Merzlikens and Jonas Corpusala are healthy. And it gives, it, it, you know, it, it gives Tarasov a chance to go down to the A, to, to be Cleveland's starter, to get a lot of work because that blue line in Cleveland is decimated because they're all Columbus Blue Jackets right now. And it's like a chance for him to really start to begin to establish like a role for himself and a rhythm and a, like, and then Corby gets hurt. And it's like, oh, Fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like one of those situations where it's like, I know what's happening next. But then, but then the Blue Jackets were called Jack Greaves for their game against the Kings. Jack Greaves was the backup goaltender in that matchup on Sunday. And I applauded the Blue Jackets. I said, this is exactly what you need to do. Like, you've got, I mean, on top of the fact that, you know, Cleveland was in the midst of three games in three nights, um, like, they needed the support. <laughs> in net so like they didn't call it Tarasov Tarasov played all weekend uh and Pavel Chayan also got a game in and so it was it's one of the situations where I was like yes Columbus you're doing what you need to do with Daniel Tarasov and then I and then on Monday I as you all know like right for field pass hockey I cover the monsters and I'm getting ready I have a weekly column called monster mash it's corny go look at it and I wrote like every Monday the jackets do something related to the to the freaking monsters that like ruins my article because last week it was Trey Fix Wolanski and, and Kirill Marchenko. This week it was Jack Greaves and Janelle Tarasov because I in my original article was applauding the Blue Jackets for like staying the course with Tarasov and like figuring this out. And then they call up Tarasov to do the to, to be a part of this road trip down to Florida and over to Boston. On its face, this is fine. Because Cleveland doesn't play again until Saturday. Like, Cleveland has the week off, and I still prefer, like, keeping him there and keeping him in a rhythm, but, like, this is fine. Only if 
it is only fine if you start him on Thursday or Saturday, preferably Thursday, because I have thoughts about what I want him to do for Saturday, but you have to start him on Thursday. You have to, or else it's stupid. Why do you call up a kid to come up and sit on the bench behind your, your starting goaltender when he could stay in Cleveland, play meaningful minutes, and let let the guy who's not going to see the, the ice in Cleveland also not see the ice in Columbus? It just That's the only way that this makes sense to me, and I know that people might disagree with that because Tarasov has been the best Blue Jackets goaltender statistically this year. Like, There's not really any denying that. Like, That's just what the numbers say. And so – I know people are going to be like, no, Jeremy, you're wrong. <laughs> and that's kind of you to provide that feedback. I disagree. I He needs ice time. Like, I just want Daniil Tarasov to, to get ice time because then on Saturday, then you've got back-to-backs in Cleveland. The Blue Jackets are playing in Boston. So if you keep him through Saturday, like, he's probably not getting back to play in Cleveland on Sunday. And so – that's like a wasted weekend for him. If he doesn't play any hockey this weekend, like I'm going to be pissed off. Like it doesn't make any sense to, to limit his starts in Cleveland by having him ride pine for Elvis Merzlikens. Correct. And I mean, I agree with you and I, you know, I think from the other perspective, like I know probably why they did this is because they, wanted a more solid backup than Jack Graves for Elvis in the event that he gets injured um, or something. Cause it is steep converse- competition in, you know, this, this road trip in Florida and in Boston. And, but it, that's the thing is like, yes, I understand wanting a solid backup for Elvis, but <laughs> in a situation where, because I know Elvis is like this. Elvis is going to want to play all three games. Like he's going to want to consistently have the net all three games that they're on the road because he likes consistent play and he wants consistent play. And that's one of the things that we have been struggling with, with any of our goaltenders, honestly, this season, because injury and whatnot, like they just, none of them, have been able to have and keep consistent play because of the universe. So there's really no way unless he is like, unless he got injured in some way tonight that we don't know about, there's no way he's not starting in Tampa on Thursday. Like, in my opinion, there's just I no way. Right. Like I, that's the piece that like, I think that's why I'm mad. <laughs> it's like, cause I don't. Yeah. Think and wrong. I think, I think you're very justified in being mad. And I, I share that it's just being the devil's advocate and looking at it, the, right, you right. know, but it's just sucky that that's what they choose to do. Similarly, like they're screwing over Liam Foody and they're also screwing, screwing over Daniel Tarasov because they're not letting him have the playing time that he deserves. And no, this is no disrespect to Jet Greaves either like Jack Greaves is a very talented goaltender as well but in his, the current point in his development he can back Elvis in a time where Elvis is not going to back down yeah like that just makes more sense to me to allow Jet to do that and go on the road trip knowing that the backup unless Elvis gets injured the the backup won't be going in so so it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And I think we've had this, this frustration over the course of the entire 
season so far and how they're handling player development and even honestly how they're handling development or continued development of like veteran players like I honestly don't think anyone is being managed properly at this point so well then there's that (laughs) but it is it's unfortunate also he's gonna miss the teddy bear toss in Cleveland this weekend um, I, no don't don't say that to me <laughs> it really sucks. Um, yeah, also i wish we did a teddy bear toss in columbus i know well, the teddy bear tosses aren't big in nhl no but they're so fun i mean like it's such a cool thing to see i am bummed that i can't get to the cleveland one i because they're doing like you said on sunday uh all sorts of teams in the ahl and a lot of junior teams do it or something similar to it so it's just a really cool thing watch it if you can like if you're not going to the game and if you if and you for, don't play they go to the game like yeah and for those who don't have any single idea what we're talking about is a lot of ahl and junior league teams do something what's called a teddy bear toss and it's essentially like what you do when someone gets hat trick and you bring teddy bears to the arena and then you toss them on the ice and then all the teddy bears are gathered up and they're donated to local children's charities and especially around this time of year they're located you know they're donated to, to organizations that help do christmas gifts for families in need and it's just really cute to see just thousands of teddy bears flying through the air and all the players help pick them up and it's just real cute and really really kind especially around the holidays because it's tough for everyone and especially when it's tough for little kids like you just want to do as much as much as you can um which just made me think about something that i might mention at the end of the episode but um yeah it's just i'm sad that terrace i was going to miss that you and me both and so here's hoping that columbus stops stunting the growth of everybody uh, sometime soon is the is the prevailing hope and thought there. So uh, yeah, so I guess to that point, like what I hope they do Saturday is I hope they call up Jack Greaves. Like I hope they call up Jack Greaves, and I hope that it's Daniel Tarasov and Pavel Chayon running the show in Cleveland this weekend. So we'll see if that happens. Who knows? I'm not feeling overly optimistic. <laughs> but that game against Boston, I mean, Boston's also just been lights out this year, and. Uh, Man, they're not easy to score on. Lance Olmark has been really great. It's gonna be a ch- it's gonna be a tough one. And that's an earlier start. I think that's a one o'clock game, yeah. In Boston, yeah. Yeah, so so not too bad. But I mean, we're gonna come to you all with another with another episode before then. So we'll come to you with an episode following the Tampa game. So maybe we'll have more thoughtful insights for what's gonna happen in good old Boston. Um, but Laura, other than that, I mean I think we touched on most of the things we we covered you know corpy is um oh i'm realizing we never did our three stars so that sucks <laughs> we'll like we'll make maybe we'll make another cute video by the end of the week and do our stars of the week to make up for us not doing one today that was a mess up that makes sense that's fine show flow who we don't know her <laughs> we don't it's know late her it's 11 23 p.m on Happy tuesday night yeah and we're reeling from that terrible loss and so yes. um we'll do that but laura is there anything else like on your radar i mean we covered um you know we've got adam boquist on the trip potentially coming back corpy's injury and uh the only other thing that is like that we subtly mentioned was like 
Nick Blankenberg signing things, uh, doing a meet and greet on Thursday. <laughs> Thursday? Yeah. Um, yeah. Thursday yeah. before the Tampa game. Um, no, uh, Dylan Tyre interviewed Nick Blankenberg the other night um, during the LA game just to get an update of, you know, where he is in his recovery and how he's taking advantage of his recovery time. And honestly, it was like really kind of emotional because you know, every, everyone loves Nick Blankenberg, but like yeah. he is really making a solid effort to make the most of his, you know, recovery time. And he's doing so by volunteering to do more things um, for the team in a public service um, position. So he spoke to all last week, you know, when we lost terribly to Buffalo was when the 900 high school hockey players were, were in the arena and he um, spoke and did a Q and a with the high school students. Um, he's been doing a lot of different community outreach things. And then this Thursday, prior to the Tampa game, he will be at the blue line store at nationwide arena from four to six, I believe doing an autograph signing. And he, when talking to Dylan just said he really wanted to take this time to make more of an impact on the community and, you know, give back to the community that so quickly embraced him in the short time that he's been here. And, you know, that was just really, really heartwarming. And he's been active, probably doing something that we should all do, which is like trying to actively limit his like time on his phone. And he's been reading more books. What's and that like, Nick? Yeah. What is, what is, I've actually been considering getting one of those boxes that has like locks and has like a timer on it. <laughs> um, Cause I'm a child with no self-control, but mm. um, you know, it's just, it's just really nice to see him, see him wanting to make the most of it and not just like playing video games and <laughs> all that sort of stuff. Really? Yeah. But he should be, I mean, I think he goes for his next x-ray at the end of next week and mm. he's still he is walking now he was able to start Ooh. walking on sunday so Big no longer legs <laughs> no longer needs the scooter or the crutches so he can walk with his boot uh which is awesome but so hopefully in january we see him come back but adam boquist is probably the next yeah. person for us to see so but the thing that I remembered while we were talking yes. and that happened um, since we recorded last is last Friday during the Calgary game, it was the um, donation situation for Salvation Army of Ohio. And in the middle of the game, it was announced that Zach Orensky was donating $50,000 yeah. to um, Salvation Army for their um, toy drive and giving out Christmas um, for family in need. And that was just really, really lovely, a, an incredible gesture from Zach, um, who has really stepped up his game and in getting involved in the community since signing his um, contract extension. So um, great job, Zach. That's going to really make a huge impact on a lot of kids and families in the Columbus community this holiday season. So, um, and he was there to gift them the the big check. I got to wonder if there's like a whole room in nationwide somewhere that just has like the large checks. Yeah. It just has piles of large checks. And like, they just say like, Hey, someone go grab a check from the check room. We need to fill it out for tonight's right. game or whatever. <laughs> like sitting right next to the carcass of boomer. Yes. 
Boomer's guarding it. He's he's now the guardian of the big check room. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It'd be a good job for him. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know how many phallic looking mascots <laughs> I'd walk by to try to steal a big steal check. A big check that doesn't really mean anything. I mean, listen, I'll take whatever I can get at this point. But but yeah, I mean, awesome by Zach. I mean, just one thing you can never criticize these players on is like they are, I mean, they're philanthropic. They understand the value of the community. And obviously we always like hope and push that there's going to be more action in, in certain areas of community engagement and involvement from the Jackets and their players. But you can't say that they're not philanthropic in this way. So that's that's always cool and that always is a point of pride, I think. Um, and something that you and I had talked about, like being the thing that like we were excited to see continue to happen, like and that being part of what was still going to be fun about the season. So good on Zach for making us sound smart a couple of days after we said that. But but yeah, no, awesome for him. And you know, Laura, I think just I mean symbolic of of what it means to be a blue jacket. I I love it. Absolutely. So, Laura, obviously, we have a quick turnaround before our next episode. Not too many more days before that you get to hear our shining voices once more on your on your different podcast platforms or, or in your different venues that you listen to us in. Just let us know where you listen to us. I'd love to know. Unless it's like your bathroom. Don't tell me that. I don't actually think I want to know <laughs> that. Um, but, Laura, in the meantime, can you tell them where they would be able to connect with us if they're really missing hearing us over our airwaves? Yeah, absolutely. You can follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Subjectively Pod. You can follow us on YouTube, TikTok, and YouTube, TikTok, and there's a third one. Facebook? Facebook. Sorry. Yeah. I can't no, believe I forgot that one. Not um, a lot of people yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, YouTube, TikTok, and Facebook at Subjectively Speaking. Uh, if you want to learn more about us and or just get all the links to all the things that I am describing to you. Um, you can follow us or you can check out our, I'm losing it today. You can check out oh, our yeah. lovely website, subjectivelyspeaking.com. If you want to support your two slightly crazy and word jumbly hockey podcasters, you can check out our merch store, subjectivelymerch.com and get yourself some sweet gifts or spend some of that holiday money that you get along the way. We would greatly appreciate it. And then lastly, you can rate review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. And especially if it's on Apple podcasts, scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. And, you know, we don't know how the algorithm works or any of that jazz, but we do know that all the likes, subscriptions, comments, whatever, Help us get noticed in the Hockey Podcast shirts and help to bring people to our little podcast community. And I know I put out the call for this earlier today for this episode, but we had more to talk about than I thought we did. So we'll definitely, since we'll only have one game to cover for uh, Friday's release, we will answer the questions that we got um, from our lovely TikTok following because we did get some good ones that I think we'll both have some things to talk our, what did i say lovely, our lovely where following did i say tiktok you did you did we do have a lovely tiktok following of i think seven people but we do i meant twitter i'm sorry <laughs> i don't know what's wrong with me today you me both. um <laughs> our lovely twitter following so we will do those in the next episode 
um because we'll we won't have as much game stuff to talk about since they'll only God, have, i hope not <laughs> they'll only have the one situation in tampa before we record again but other than that and i'm sorry for all the ums and ands i'm really just on it today on it girl we love and appreciate you all so much yes and uh coming from somebody who's equally as on top of things today um we <laughs> hope that you all take care of yourselves take care of one another and we will be with you in just a few short days on friday so take care <laughs>